Hello everyone, and uh, may the 4th be with you. It's Star Wars Day. Uh, we're celebrating uh, Star Wars today by doing a little review for uh, Bad Batch, which just dropped its premiere episode on Disney Plus today. The episode was called Aftermath. Uh, I remembered it this time because I put it in the uh, thumbnail today. Uh, but yeah, uh, my name's Joe Fricky. I'm the host, one of the hosts of the Movie Change Up podcast, and uh, me and Tristan have been reviewing uh, uh, we did uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and now that that's over, we need a new show to review, and we're going to do Bad Batch, and I think we're going to double up on Bad Batch and Loki uh, when Loki starts coming out, I think June 11th is uh, that. So, uh, Tristan, what were your kind of expectations coming into Bad Batch? I wasn't sure coming in because the Bad Batch episode of the uh, final season of Clone Wars really kind of like backdoor piloted the show wasn't my favorite episode, and I... I don't think the action of Clone Wars is my favorite part of the show either, so I wasn't quite sure. This seemed like it was all the stuff about Clone Wars that I wasn't super into all put into one show. But then when I saw the premiere, I, I liked it a lot. I was kind of blown away by a lot of parts of it, and I'm a lot more invested than I thought I was going to be. And I'm curious going forward how much I'm going to be invested into it. But for now, for what episode is, I'm, I'm very into it, and I'm excited to see more. Yeah, I was in a similar boat to you. I, I think of the final season of Clone Wars, the Bad Batch arc was probably my least favorite, but I also think it was partially because we didn't have any real connection to those characters, or maybe, I don't know if this is just going to be a one-season thing or a multi-season thing, but whenever Bad Batch is over, maybe I go back and I rewatch that initial arc and I feel differently about it. But yeah, I wasn't really my favorite arc, and so I just had no like hype for this show at all. It wasn't like I was like not looking forward to it, but it wasn't like when Mandalorian season two came out where I was just like sitting and like, okay, like one week until mm -hmm. Mandalorian three days until Mandalorian tomorrow's Mandalorian where it's like, Oh, okay. I guess bad batch comes out tomorrow. I'll watch it. Uh, I got up before work, uh, to watch it. And yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I had some things I didn't like about it, but there were some things. What was your favorite part of the episode? I just really loved the dynamic between the characters. I thought it, yeah. they really sold me on that team dynamic and, all their individual personalities like blending together into this one team. I think that was something they had to really sell me on was all these individual clones being unique individual characters and not having it feel like forced. Like why are these random clones having personalities and the other ones aren't? And they sold that to me very well. So I'm, I'm excited to see more from the team there. Yeah, I really like that too. I really like the team aspect, especially with Echo and kind of coming in and being part of the team. I kind of, I feel like even if you didn't see the initial arc, you kind of felt that he was a newer member of the team. But I also like, and uh, if I didn't say already, this is a full spoiler review. So if you haven't seen the episode and you want to uh, come back and check us out after you finish the episode. But uh, even uh, with, uh, I think it's not tech, the sniper. I can't remember the sniper's name that turn, like, turns on. I think on, it's Crosshair. Um, or yeah, Crosshair's crosshair or whatever uh like you could tell even when he's kind of being a dick in the beginning after order 66 that this isn't how he normally acts and i just felt like the writing and everything was great and i like how they have post order 66 all of the clones kind of start to lose their personality like you even see there's the scene where they're all in the bright white clone trooper armor they're not in kind of their individualized mm -hmm. armor anymore and i think as the series goes on most of them won't go by their nicknames anymore. They'll go by their serial designation. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing of how Order 66 was kind of like a hard drive reset for the clones, except the Bad Bash didn't really have 
like because of the augmentations in in themselves that they didn't really have the order 66 experience except for crosshairs but one of the things i wanted to ask you was as far as i remember it seemed that what made them different was intentional like they were designed to be the way that they are but it almost felt presented in this show that it was on like all of their abilities were on accident like they were like botched and but they still got powers and i thought originally that they were like designed to be how they were so i wanted your thoughts on that did you interpret it different or yeah i interpreted the same as you i thought originally they were done that way intentionally and but maybe not i don't know i think that was how i read it at first but now i'm thinking back and i think of stuff like 99 that kind of defective mm-hmm. older clone and i wonder if we're supposed to see them in the same light as 99 like they're not that level of defective but they are defective in a way that they call defective like they have the personality they're not supposed to have they have the kind of outbursting uniqueness they're not supposed to have so i wonder if that will be explored more because i'm sure they're going to get more into just like how the clones decay over time and what happens to them as the empire transitions away from clones into stormtroopers and one of the standout scenes for that for me was when uh the palpatine he's addressing them and he gives that speech he gives towards the end of revenge of the sith and now we're seeing it from the perspective of the clones He's basically saying, like, oh, it's a good Galactic Eye player now. I'm the new Emperor. And you see all the clones kind of cheering in that crowd. Yeah. And it was like, wow, that's something the clones in the Clone Wars would never do because they were yeah. more or less on the side of the good guys and more or less morally righteous kind of characters. And seeing them all cheer for the bad guys, especially in their pale, plain white uniforms, is really cool. And I think it's going to be fun to see that transition. Like I said, I'm not sure how much I'm going to be into these next few episodes, but I'm into the idea of watching the empire rise up in the ashes of the republic and seeing like what was that like from the perspective of these clones what was that like from like an everyman sort of pov yeah i think that's definitely going to be kind of what this show i don't want to say focuses on but i feel like we're going to get kind of the rise of the empire and the formation of the empire and what the beginning days of the empire looked like through the eyes of the bad match and i like that a lot i think we'll even see the clones transform around them like you said they're all in the pale white uniforms i think i think they're going to slowly but surely develop into the stormtrooper uniforms over time so we'll see yeah. like the way that becomes what it is yeah for sure uh what, is there anything else you wanted to touch on or yeah i don't want to go through this too quick without mentioning the canaan cameo at the oh, yeah. of the episode yeah i thought that was great some people are mad because it doesn't quite line up i guess there was a canaan comic that explained like his experience through order 66 i didn't read the comic so it didn't bother me i didn't notice it but i guess also his like how that story's delivered in the comic is it's his retelling of it so i could kind of see like that's where some dis- that's how any discrepancy could be explained away is this is a memory of when he was you know 10 or 11 years old and now he's 20 plus and then it was a very traumatic experience so i can understand why he may be remembered a little differently than how it went down but i know a lot of the from what i read a lot of the broad strokes were the same yeah i read the comic way back when it came out so i don't remember it exactly but i do think it hit a lot of the same beats as as i was watching it i was thinking i should go back and read that issue and see if this lines up but some of the lines line up, some of the shots line up, so like the essence is there, it's just not exactly the same yeah. as what it was in the comics, so I'm not too worried about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but I thought it was a great moment. You know, it's I like seeing him again. The Freddie Prince Jr. voice kind of threw me off a little <laughs> bit, because it's, you know, 10, 11-year-old kid with a 40-year-old man's voice coming out of it. But... Very weird, but I was, just, I was happy to see him again. Yeah. I was cool to hear Freddie Prince Jr. play him again. Yeah. It yeah. made me realize I kind of miss Rebels, and I miss those characters, and it'd yeah. be 
nice to just see him for one scene again, you know, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and I, and one thing I wanted to say too is I really like the animation, like style and the look and everything of it. It's definitely on par with the final season of the Clone Wars. I was, I mean, I knew from the trailers it wouldn't be, but I thought I was hoping it wouldn't be a step down, like how Rebels is kind of a step down from the Clone Wars animation. Yeah, this is some of the best animation I've seen in a Star Wars show. I think it might even be a step above the final season of Clone Wars for me. I think the yeah. detail work is so so good, like especially on the on like the droid armory, like you could see like the rust and the aging and that kind of yeah. stuff on there, and you could see yeah. on the tanks, you can see like the kind of rusting and that kind of stuff in the tanks. So you can definitely tell like the detail yeah. work has gotten so much better. It doesn't look like you mentioned in the text earlier a PS2 cutscene. Yeah, I like, think the early Clone Wars tend to look like PS2 cutscenes. And this definitely does not look like that. This is definitely a PS4 cutscene we got right yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. This is some 4K cutscene right here. Yeah, they got us on our 4K 60 FPS cutscenes right here. Yeah. Yeah, I really like the look of it. Um, trying to think before uh, we go on. Do you want to do what we did kind of with Falcon and Winter Soldier and go kind of over the overall plot? or? Uh, yeah, I did take notes on it basically in plot order. So I have like a decent act breakdown of like, the different events so we can cover that. In order, if you had nothing else to cover up front. All right, yeah, and then I think at the end we'll do what we did with Falcon and Winter Soldier and kind of end with some predictions because I have one that's not really a prediction and more of like a confirmation, and then I have a uh, another big prediction that yeah, I'm surprised guess. more people aren't talking about online. I'll say that. I have a couple predictions too to get to at the end, one that I think will make you pretty happy. So I want to get your. I think I think we're online one. with the same. <laughs> I think we're on par with my boy. Yeah, we're on. We talked about it already, but anything last you want to mention about this opening sequence where the Bad Batch is on? Uh, I believe it's, I don't remember the name of the planet now, but they were where Caleb Dune is at, and they're doing this <laughs> conflict with Caleb. Yeah, Joe's teasing my theory for the rest of the show. If you want to see it on live on Twitch.tv slash movie changeup. Yeah. All right, yeah. But, yeah, this opening sequence is cool. We, we get a glimpse of Caleb's uh, kind of trauma from World Series 6, and we get to see why he hates clones so much, but we're seeing it from the clone POV and they're just as confused as he is. Yeah. And I kind of like that, that they're, they're like kind of lost literally in the woods. They're just like, what's going on? This, they declare Order 56 and I don't know what that even is, but Crosshair seems to kind of be reacting to it weirdly and we're still, yeah. we're trying to put together the mystery along with the droids, it'd be, or along with the clones. It'd be fun to kind of watch this because it goes hand in hand with Avengers of the Sith with the final season, the Clone Wars, with even the Kalen comic, like all there's a lot of stuff that happens and, like in this one moment. Of and Star Jedi Wars Fallen Order. If you, if you played Jedi Fallen Order, there's that's probably my favorite Order sixty six moment is when that happens in Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, I, I, that's a great one in Jedi Fallen Order. I think Order sixty six is such a fascinating like moment in Star Wars history because it's just one cool like montage in the movie, <laughs> yeah. but these books and the shows and everything else have really made it into like a really huge event. And I think this is yet another one of those instances. All you got to hear is you don't even have to hear the line. You just have to know like generally what's going on. They mentioned like, Oh, Anakin and Obi-Wan are just captured Grievous, something like that. And you realize like, Oh, the background, this is about to happen and you're getting ready yeah. and getting ready. Yeah. As soon as they said, Oh, uh, Obi-Wan is, you know, captured Gen- or killed General Grievous, then you're like, oh, okay, I know what's That's about right. to go down here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anything else you want to mention on that first? We talked a bit about it on Kane's yeah. side, but I, and not much, just so much on the clone side. Uh, no, I mean, I liked everything, especially in that opening thing you kind of get to see. I think his name's Tracker, is the kind of the Rambo looking guy. 
uh, we get to see him and uh, Crosshair's relationship where and their little kind of hero villain dynamic start to begin where uh, Kanan jumps across the ledge and then you can see that doubt when Crosshair looks down at the ravine after he says oh I zapped him as he jumped Mm -hmm. across and he fell and he looked down and then later you have the line of oh usually people when they see someone fall they look down they don't look across and I think that was kind of a nice little touch for the beginning of their little hero villain dynamic yeah I think their dynamic is interesting too because I at first I was like oh this is going to go on for like the whole show they're going to be butting heads for this whole entire like first season and then by the end of the first episode Crosshair is already like on the other side of the, the battle here so I'm, I'm excited to see him kind of hunting them down. We'll get to him at the end, but I think that's a cool arc between Crossbones and I think Hunter is the main guy. Yeah, name. Hunter, Hunter, yeah. So from there, we go from that really cool opening scene to back to Kamino, the classic uh, Attack of the Clones location, oh. and one we saw a lot in the Clone Wars, but it's different now. It's a lot darker. It's a lot literal colder. Like the clones are distant. No one's. It's not that family hanging out kind of vibe and. Tarkin has arrived and he's kind of doing a inspection of the clones and deciding whether or not he wants to continue with the clone army or switch to recruits. And it's up, of course, you know, from the Star Wars lore that he does switch to recruits and ends up cutting the clone army for one reason or another. So I'm curious on your thoughts of Tarkin's kind of role in this show overall, and especially in the first episode. Yeah, I like it. Uh, one of the things I was curious about for you, because I know one of your problems in Star Wars overall is too many like old characters returning and maybe not enough new, so I, I was more curious what your thoughts were on it being Tarkin and when it could be just like a random Imperial guy coming in. I like Tarkin. For me, I like the connecting tissues when it, it could be any random person, but they're like, oh, we have a person, so let's use them. I don't like it so much when they're like, okay, let's move the whole plot around so that we can have Luke Skywalker show up in the episode and let's... Yeah. Something like Tarkin, I think, is good because he's that kind of background Imperial who's that leader who's trying to get his ranks up, and he fits within the world and fits within the storyline. We've seen yeah. him before, too, in the Clone Wars, and yeah. he fits right within this this kind of storyline. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm curious to see what his logic is going to be for why he ends up decommissioning the clones because in my mind, like, you have an army of near-infinite soldiers who you can program to follow whatever order you want to follow, like... Why are you replacing them with random, like, civilians that you're recruiting? Especially, yeah. like, I just want to get a bit more of that in- dynamic into what, why they decided to cut and go to Stormtroopers instead of clones. Yeah, I know he said in the episode it's cheaper, but that doesn't really make sense to me because I imagine you don't exactly have to pay the clones. And I imagine you kind of also would have to pay the conscripted soldiers unless that dynamic is different than what I thought, where you just sign up to be an Imperial and it's essentially like a room and board situation. But also who would sign up for that? Be like, hey, there's a high chance you're going to die, but, you know, you get free housing and food just as long as you're a soldier. Seems seems like a bad trade, but maybe that's how (laughs) it operates. It could Um, be. It is the Emperor. But... Yeah, so I'm curious. I think part of it's just going to be, oh, they switch out because they kind of have to switch out. But mm-hmm. maybe, they'll, maybe they'll have a great explanation for it. Like, he'll be like, oh, I worked with the clones too much and they're too independent. They're too, they're not going to follow orders. If we have soldiers that sign up and see how great the Empire is and they sign up because they want to work for the Empire, then maybe they'll listen and I could see that kind of being his reasoning. Yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see that, I guess, because normally I wouldn't care too much that much about these kind of questions when you bring it up as like a plot point it makes me think that you're going to do something with it yeah so i wonder what they're going to do with it i also wonder like how much of 
Camino and the clones and these and those Camino and aliens are going to be in this storyline because the Bad Batch by the end of the episode are already rogues on the run. You know, they're not part of the Empire anymore. Yeah. And how much of this are we going to get of them, like actually within the Empire and the clones POV and that kind of stuff? Yeah, there's an aspect to that that I could talk about now, but I'm, if you want me to, I can save it more for predictions of where this whole aspect of the story could go. Yeah, we can save it. We can definitely save it. I want to right. talk more about that when we get there, too. All right. All right. But I'm curious. I, I I like the Camino setting. I think it's yeah. one of the cooler yeah. uh, locations of the, of the prequels, so it's always fun to get those prequel locations brought back. It's been so long, and I didn't even think about it really until the episode started, but we haven't really been in the prequel era in a really long time other than the final season of Clone Wars, but in terms of like genuinely new content, it's been a long yeah. time. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I like Camino. It's probably my favorite map in Battlefront along with Kashyyyk, so. Classic Battlefront map. <laughs> uh, I want to talk here. Uh, we had talked about Omega a little yeah. bit. She's this new character that's coming in. She's kind of a mystery at this point in the show, but she's an enhanced clone, yeah. we find out. And she wants to be along on the ride here with. She's particularly attached to Hunter. I think he she like kind of mirrors him a lot in these scenes. Like he'll be yeah. put up his hand and tell him to stop and to be right behind him and give her a little hand like this. And yeah. it's kind of cute seeing her mirror him. But I'm very curious what her role in this plot's going to be. I think that's something we'll get to a bit in the yeah. predictions. But I want to talk about her now generally. Like, what do you think of her role in this episode? Yeah, I think it's interesting because one of the aspects I thought was kind of cool was. Uh, was the Kim and Owens, I think, talking to Tarkin or somebody where they said that there were, oh, like there were five members of the Bad Batch, but I'm like, well, Echo's not really a member. I mean, he's a member of the Bad Batch squadron, but the way the Kim and Owen was talking about it is that there were five Bad Batch clones and Echo isn't really a Bad Batch clone. He's a regular clone that, you know, had the adaptation put on to him but i'm like oh maybe they just kind of set it that way just to make it easier to understand instead of being like well we have four bad batch clones and then we have this messed up clone that's augmented and so now he kind of rolls with them but then later they were like oh omega is actually the fifth bad batch clone and i'm like oh okay so they are and i did like that aspect of the plot line and that reveal and i think it for me i think omega is clearly like a female clone of Django fett and I've read some speculation online, and this isn't really, like, a theory, because I really don't know where they would go with it, or even if it's just, like, a backstory for her. But a lot of people think uh, she might be the first attempt at a Force-sensitive clone. Interesting. I would like that. I think there's clearly more going on with her than yeah. we know, because she's clearly yeah. a bit of an empath in some way. Yeah. She connects to Crosshair and connects to his yeah. kind of, like, internal struggle, and I think she... Yeah. Some way or another has like an empathetic ability to yeah. be able to connect to clones. Yeah, she's very empathetic and very like intuitive as well. So I'm not sure are those traits that she has because they want to show that she has very latent force abilities. Maybe she's not like super force sensitive, like she could never be a Jedi, but she does have a touch of like the force, you know, awareness, kind of like uh, the blind guy in Rogue One. I'm blanking on his name. Yeah, Donnie Yen's Chira Emway. Yeah, Chira yes. Emway. Chira Emway. Like, if, like, that level of Force user, or if they just tried to show, like, she's more of, like, a female, and, like, empathy and intuitiveness are more female traits. So it could be either or. If, like, a, they just tried to show her more female quality, so they kind of get used to that. But, yeah, I definitely think she's a Django 
like female clones. Some people are unsure of what she is, but I thought that was kind of clear, especially with the Kiwi accent. Yeah, I think she's definitely a Jango clone. I wonder if she's one of the ones that's aging naturally yeah. or an aging yeah. sped up because you don't really see a lot of kid clones very long. You know, they'll they'll be there and they'll when they're like Danny Logan kind of age, they'll grow up yeah. quick and then become the adults. Yeah, one of the things I've thought because her name is Omega and then the you know, the Greek alphabet Omega is the last letter. So I thought it would be like, oh, she's the last clone. But then we see like other ones still in the test tube. So I guess that that's not, good. so I guess that's not accurate, but she could well. be like the final type of a clone. Like maybe if they really are trying to develop a force sensitive clone, she could be like the Omega clone because she's like, oh, if we, get, if we can make force sensitive clones, that's like the finale of our project. That's like the last thing we need. Yeah. So you could, I could see that. I didn't think much about her being force sensitive, but I like that. I think, that's a good explanation for her abilities and her kind of what makes yeah. her different than the rest of them. And I do, I mentioned at top that the action kind of side of Clone Wars isn't my favorite side of it, but it's because I love the force side. I love the way it examines yeah. the force and the lore and the kind of, it's able to get into more mystical stuff than the live action shows are. So I, I would love to have them bring the force into this plot in some way and have her be part of that. And explore one little more mystery of the force. Like what is a clone with the force like? Yeah. What does that what does that look like to the force? <laughs> so I'm very curious to see more of that. And now that she's on the team, I hope we can get more of that. And if anyone's questioning, well, like if you can make one clone force sensitive, aren't they? Wouldn't they all like be force sensitive? And it goes back to I have no idea what episode it is. It, it could even be the pilot. But Yoda is talking to a group of clones, and they're all talk, you know, trying to express how they're individuals but they all feel the same and the world sees or the galaxy sees them as the same and yoda basically says that the force sees them all as separate beings so i could definitely see you make millions and millions of clones and make sense that one of them eventually would be force sensitive so yeah i'd love to get more into that as we go along i don't want to talk too much about it because i'm sure we'll talk about it in future episodes if they end up yeah. going yeah. that route but i do i like that. i do yeah. have one apprehensions it's not quite a negative but my one apprehension is the whole kind of lone wolf and cub storyline makes me nervous because that's kind of what mandal first two seasons of the mandalorian is so i don't know how much it's going to delve into that with hunter and omega but it also kind of is for me is bad batch going to be more like clone wars where it's like three or four episode arcs and by episode four we never see omega again or is this going to be more like rebels with this you know kind of a storyline throughout the season and then kind of i don't want to say filler but like sidestep episodes during the season yeah i'm curious about the structure too i for omega i am also curious like how her role is going to be on the team is she there long term is she going to just be like the kitty like the chopper kind of character that's there yeah. to be like the kid relief yeah but as far as the structure i'm very curious about that too i this threw you into the action the same way the Clone Wars does, where they have the narrator come in and he's like, oh, this planet and this actor, and, this is and you're like, okay, let's go. And you're just in the middle of the action yeah. the same way Clone Wars kind of does. But I would like it if they gave a more Rebels approach and took the story a little bit slower and got us in there and let us build a little bit. Because I think the build-up with the characters and the character interactions is what I liked a lot in this episode. So I just, I don't want it to be that throw you into the action and pick up, pick up pieces as you go along kind of storytelling. I would like to be a little more uh, streamlined. Yeah. All right, what's next? The, uh, I think kind of the fight, but I don't know if there's much to delve into there between the fight and then the fight versus the kind of training session with the droids, except that it's more just kind of 
I mean, it was a great scene. There's just not a lot of story there to delve into. I thought it was just yeah. All that really happened in that scene is they are getting basically auditioned for Tarkin. Yeah. Well, they have that they have that cafeteria fight where they bond with Omega for a second, yeah. and that's the only really like plot necessary thing is yeah. they bond with Omega and they decide to fight for her, and then next scene they're tested by Tarkin. And they go into that battle scene we've seen it a hundred times throughout the Clone Wars, whether it was in Rookies or some yeah. of the Clone episodes, and cool to see that again but this time it's the lie of rounds the empire's taking over they're not playing games you know yeah. republic tarkin's gonna kill you if you can't beat the simulation so they have this live round simulation and of course because of the heroes and they're the best they yeah. win and they impress tarkin and they're chosen to go on this mission to take down some separatists living in the jungle yeah. so that's essentially the middle act of the whole show is they're questioning their self and then they're told that they're the powerful group and they're sent out to take on these separatists I want to. I do want to jump back really quick and just say one thing. Uh, I love when like politics are just slightly dropped into Star Wars every now and then. I don't like the Phantom Menace where they have like ten roundtable scenes and it's just a lot of boring talks about trade federations. But I do like the scene where Tarkin is talking to the Kaminoan and the Kaminoan is like, "But uh, the Republic told us, you know, we have a contract with the Republic that's basically like you're going to pay for clones indefinitely." And Tarkin's like, "Well." public doesn't exist anymore with the empire <laughs> so that contract's gone and I, I don't know i just love that moment of just because yeah, it felt very real it felt very real like very real world yeah it felt like it was some government overstepping it was like well tacticality you didn't sign with us so we're good you know yeah. felt, felt like something technically we're all the same people that you signed <laughs> with but we changed our name from republic to empire so contract doesn't exist anymore but yeah i do like Jumping back to what we were talking about, I do like the uh, Sagarera drop-in. Yeah, I like that. I wasn't quite sure who to see showing up, but I, I had a prediction of who it would be, and then it wasn't them. And it was, who, it did was you, who, who did you think it would be? I thought for sure it was going to be like, I don't know, a surviving Jedi or something like that. Like oh, a, someone who was out on the run. I was, I was going to be Caleb. Like I thought for, maybe Kanan is back oh, out God. there again. Anything oh, like God. that, but... I was happy to see Saw. I think Saw ties yeah. so much stuff yeah. together. I love that he's this continuous character that showed up in so many different things. And yeah, yeah especially if you don't see small roles too. It's not like someone that has to require the plot to be like, okay. Let's go figure out where Saw Guerrero is at right now. But it's like, okay, well, we're running into a rebel group. Why not have it be Saw's group? You know, yeah, especially because, like, I feel like Saw is the type of person that would have been the leader of the rebellion if he wasn't as crazy like if he was at an 11 all of the time if he dialed it back to like an 8 he would have been like the mon mothma if he didn't get blown up by the death star but yeah i'm really curious how much of this rebel origin story is going to play into it too we'll talk about some stuff in the predictions that i have for that but i do really want to see this early era of the rebels coming together similar to how he did in Star Wars Rebels, this is even earlier. I think we'll start yeah. to see, like, how does Mon Mothma and those kind of characters start to come together and get involved? Because yeah. yeah. what I loved about the ending of Rebels in the last, like, season or two is that, in particular, like, seeing these big groups that are separate fights sort of slowly, slowly come together. You have Saw Gerrera and Mon Mothma, and you have Heron and Kane's team all having their own little adventures, and then they come together by the end, and I would like to see these little factions start to pop up in the show. Yeah. That would be kind of a good way to do it, like, yeah. You have Saw's group right here. Maybe in a few episodes, you see Mon Mothma's group somewhere else. Maybe you see... Chan Dodama's group. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can see anybody's group show up, and then there's all, all these different groups coming around. I think that's yeah. what I would do with this show. Yeah, for sure. 
Oh, yeah, so we got through that Saw scene where essentially uh, they're given this ultimatum of like, okay, you can fight for Vampire or you can fight for us. And then I was surprised how early on they got out of the Empire's clutch to thought like, oh, maybe the whole first season or at least like the first half of the first season they'll be working for the Empire and they'll have that like moral mm-hmm. complexity of them being on like Empire business, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, d- I didn't think that just because I saw an interview with someone that worked behind the scenes that says at some point this season they become mercenaries. So I, so I kind of knew that was kind of the direction they were going. So I figured especially with a 70-minute premiere, like by the end of this premiere, they'll be outside of the Empire. I'm excited, though. I think it'll give them a lot to do. It's very open-ended ending. You know, they have a direction, but we'll get to that when we get to it. But, yeah, they didn't give us a ton to go on in terms of, like, what's next for these characters. So I'm excited to see what's next. Yeah. All right, let me. I have a quote here that I liked from Saul where he said, The Clone War may have ended, but a civil war is about to begin. And yeah. I think that kind of sums up the tension of this whole series right here. Yeah, I really like that, basically. Because it kind of feels like, in a way, that the entire, however you feel about any of the trilogies, it kind of feels like one giant war where this, you know, the civil war or the, you know, the, uh, the initial war, whatever that was called, uh, basically turned into the Galactic Civil War, and then the Galactic Civil War kind of just had remnants throughout it for the next 30 years of people trying to rise back up again. Like, the South will rise again, but, you know, the Empire will rise again, basically. <laughs> yep. I, I really like this era of the rebel, Rebellion. I think, especially in the original trilogy, you see the Rebels as, like, these the good guys and the Empire as the bad guys, and yeah. These shows have led us to get a little more complex. It's certainly, the Empire are the bad guys in this show. There's no no questioning that. But when you get into Sagara and characters like that, you start saying, like, oh, look, the other side yeah. can sometimes be a little yeah. little militaristic, a little brutal themselves. So I think that'll yeah. be interesting. I hope we see more of Saw once in a while. I don't know if I yeah. want to be a regular character, but, like, a couple episodes here and there yeah. would be good. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Be like, hey, this is your reintroduction to Saw. And then he, if this is an arc, like, he, him being in, like, episodes like 10 through 12 or something mm-hmm. well getting towards the end here we have that uh scene with saw and the clones head back to Kamido, and of course they're caught they've been spied upon by some pro droids mm-hmm. and now tarkin knows that they've gone rogue and decides to capture them and yeah. now they're in the the brink of Kamino with yeah. omega of course yeah. she's yeah. also been causing problems yeah yeah, I like that whole breakout scene of them working with, with like Wrecker. People, people online are talking shit about Wrecker, but Wrecker's, I think, my favorite. Like, he's there to be the comedic relief, you know. He's basically yeah, Drax. Thought... Like, if they're the Guardians of the Galaxy, he's Drax. Yeah, I liked him a lot. I thought he was funny, especially in this scene in particular. Yeah. I thought it was definitely his funniest yeah. scene when he's he bangs on a wall and this like sits down casually, like nothing's going on, and the clones yeah. are like. <laughs> looking around, I'm like, really, no one, no one saw that, no one is noticing what's yeah. going on. But that was funny. Yeah, same. I really like that scene. And then, you know, with when with Omega having to crawl out and bust out, and then obviously she falls and lands on on the clones. Yeah, I like it too because it uses like three or four different characters, like unique abilities to their advantage. Like, no, not one character is like the sole planner of this like he had the smart guy i can't remember his name like the doctor type guy he's like oh there's like a weaker part right here in the wall if you push it and then of course he had the brute this the strong man who's going to be able to punch it and open it and then yeah the little kid is able to crawl in the hole and even have hunter who's able to like 
keep everybody in control and give them the rules and make sure no one's giving the plan away. So you really see the group works as a dynamic within this unique situation. So I thought it was one of the better scenes of the episode was them breaking out of this. And I thought it was it was funny. It was heartfelt. It connected the characters. It showed me them using the rules really well. So I just I like that scene a lot. Yeah, me too. I, I really enjoyed it. And we've got this big final battle now. Crosshair was taken out of the out of the prison cell a bit to go talk to Tarkin, and then by the end of the episode, he's turned. He's his ships are re re, evacu- re uh, reactivated. I guess I explained it as yeah. like yeah. He's some kind of surgery or something has reactivated his ship, and now he's gone full Order sixty six. He's going to try and kill the clones he once worked alongside with because good clones follow orders or good soldiers follow orders, isn't it? What's yeah. the line is <laughs> good soldiers follow orders, yeah. Which is kind of a repeat of what Rex says in the final kind of arc of the Clone Wars. Yeah, that was a cool throwback. Yeah, Yeah, there was another, I don't remember when in the episode it was, but they were talking, I believe, about Echo, where they said, oh, you're um, more machine now than man. Well, you know, Mm -hmm. partially, or whatever he says. (laughs) Or he's like, oh, by percentage, I guess. Yeah, I like when Clone Wars brings in lines like that. It's funny. And this is, and they're not like super on the nose. It's not like they're looking in the camera and saying like, you're more machine than man, just like Darth Vader. And yeah. it's like they're making a slight little reference to the line without yeah. making it super, super ridiculous. Because this is still a kid's show. Like kids yeah. are going to want to watch this. So you want those kind of fun moments yeah. like this breakout scene and that kind of yeah. stuff where yeah. kids can have fun watching this too. Well, we've got the finale here. Crosshair and the clones, they get in this big kind of Western style shootout right at the end when they're powering up the ship to leave and uh, Hunter has this stand down with Crosshair where they're going to draw on each other and Crosshair draws, Hunter jumps out of the way. They have this cool foggy shootout where Crosshair survives, but the clones do get away. So yeah. Omega's the one that takes them out. Yeah, good move for Omega. I was not sure because they did the typical thing where it's like, oh, they fight these clones and then they just have to linger in the room for a second just so you can see the bodies moving. So you're like, okay, they didn't kill them. They're still okay. <laughs> you can't have the main characters kill anybody but then like i i wonder where they're gonna go with that because you have a little kid and you, how much yeah. of this kid is actually going to be doing like dark things and killing people like yeah that's what i was impressed by with with rebels and some elements is that they weren't afraid to have ezra do stuff that a kid wouldn't necessarily want to do yeah ezra launched atats off cliffs <laughs> and i do wonder how dark they're going to go with this kind of self-insert kid character in a disney show yeah but promising that she takes him down with in the first episode here, and yeah, it was kind of interesting too, where she asked like, "Oh, where did?" Or Hunter asked where she learned that, and she didn't really have an answer. She's just like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know." Yeah, I wonder where she learned that. I wonder if she is force sensitive and it was some kind of like force instinct to be able to use the blaster really well or something like that, yeah. or if she just has this programming that's going to kick in yeah. similarly to the rest of the clones. Does she have this this uh, manipulated? DNA in some way that's going to make her like a really strong shooter or something like that. I'm curious yeah. to see what her future role is in the team. Yeah, for sure. Same. And that's pretty much it. We have our final scene where they set a destination and they say they're going to fly out and meet someone because they know a guy. And then we head off yeah. into the series of Bad Batch. All right. And uh, we can kind of kick off our prediction of who that guy's going to be. And I think that's a pretty, you know, for lack of a, for, not to be on the nose, but I think it's a pretty cut and dry prediction of who that <laughs> character, who that character is going to be. Uh, we talked about it beforehand, and you weren't sure. And I said, "Well, I, are you?" Asked, and I said, "I'm pretty sure I know." And I, 
you asked me how I know, and I said I did my research, and then you said you're going to do your research. <laughs> so I want to ask, did you, did you do your research? Who Who's the guy? You know, I did not do my research into my sleeping instead, but uh, I have a couple of predictions based off of next to nothing, and I want to because you did the research, so you'll know who it is. But I have, a, I have a, my you initial. Go reaction, first. I want to hear you go first. My initial guess, as watching the scene, was that he's going to go back and find that towards the end of the towards the middle of the Clone Wars, there was that one clone who was like a outcast who ran away or something. I can't remember the situation around it, but he was like an outcasted clone. He ran away, and I'm like, oh, he's going to go and find that guy. It was my prediction. He's going to find that one clone that ran away. Is that your only prediction, or you got more? Yeah, that's my prediction. <laughs> oh, okay. You know the answer, Joe. Give me well, answer. I know the action. So they say they're going to J19, right? Is the I was like, I'm going to Google J19, and I, I just never got around to Googling so it. So uh, last time we heard J19 uh, was in an episode of The Clone Wars, and it was to meet a clone who ran away. His name was Cut. So, like I said, it's a pretty cut and dry prediction. And also, <laughs> uh, next week or not next week, uh, Friday's episode is called Cut and Run. So, uh, so look at that. I don't even need to do research, Joe. I'm just a, a Star Wars genius. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the guy that they're gonna meet next episode is a clone who defected. Uh, and there's also rumors that Rex may be there too, but it's that Cut is definitely gonna be one of them. Now it could be they're going to meet Rex. And then Cut also happens to be there, but Cut will definitely be in uh, Friday's episode. I love it. I'm really excited for Friday's episode. I, I think this is yeah. a very promising premiere, more than I thought it was going to be. So yeah, I'm just same. very excited to see what's next. I Look, you talked about the structure. we got to figure out the structure of the storytelling. we got to figure out, like, are there arcs? I'm sure there's yeah. arcs, but, like, are they going to be randomly spread throughout, like, time? Are they going to be in chronological order? We don't know anything about this, really, so... Yeah, I'm very I, excited. With Star Wars, you have no idea what we're going to get. Like, you'd walk into yeah. the show and it could be anything. <laughs> yeah, and we won't really even know until, like, episode, like, six or seven, I think, kind of what this... Because, like, next week's episode will be a continuation, but is it a continuation because it's the second episode in a four, you know, episode arc? Or is it just the second episode of, like, a 16-episode series? Yeah, that was one of the questions I definitely had written down was just the structure and what that's going to be like because i think that'll be telling about what the story is going to be like too are we going to be just scattered across the galaxy because if they're mercenaries that leans really well to that kind of a structure where they're just like oh the bad batch arrives at camino and they're bad batch arrives at you know whatever planet they want to come up with and then there's here's here's your adventure from this week so i'm curious if that'll be the structure yeah all right do you have any other predictions because i have two main ones i think the one we teased towards the beginning, you brought your Funko Pop, you brought out everything else. I think, look, Maul is like the all-star of this animated universe. I think yeah. he's the embodiment of what you can do with a character here. You can take a side character who was cool looking in The Phantom Menace, but was never anything like really depth in depth or complex or had any character at all. And you can turn them into one of the more compelling characters of the entire Star Wars franchise. And I would love to see Maul come back. I think... We could see the Crimson Dawn. That's my prediction. I wrote down. I said we're going to see the Crimson Dawn because they set that up in Solo. We never had a chance to do anything with it, and I would like to see them give it, get a chance to do that again. We might even see Kara or whatever her name is again. Yeah. Oh, I would Kira. Really like. I would like to see the Crimson Dawn show up. I'd like to see Maul show up and give that connected tissue to to Solo. I think. I also think we could see uh, that Rebel group in Solo show up. The one where now. The Flag Smasher. Oh, uh, cloud, the Cloud Riders. Yep. I think 
my prediction is generally that we're going to see a lot of these factions show up at different episodes and different times. They're not going to really come together because that's kind of the plot of Rebels in my mind, but I think we will see these individual factions growing up along around the galaxy, whether it's Crimson Dawn, whether it's the Cloud Riders, whatever you call them from the from Solo. I think we'll see those kind of groups coming up, and I, I'm really excited for it. I know you're a Crimson Dawn fan. I know I you're a Maul fan. Crimson Dawn <laughs> tattoo right here. Yep. I thought of you as soon as I got to the end of the episode. I can't. I really think Chris John will show up, and I think I hope that satisfies your tattoo because you have a tattoo for. I don't know if you know this, Joe, but you have a tattoo for a group that was only in, mentioned by name in one movie. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was more to represent Maul. I almost got the Death Watch tattoo, and then Solo came out, and I didn't really like the Death Watch design so that much. But I'm like, yeah, it represents Maul. But I like the uh, Crimson Dawn symbol a lot better. But I 100% fully believe Darth Maul is going to be in this series, and I have mm-hmm. evidence. So, in the Clone Wars, in the opening, 99% of the time, when the, it said, like, Star Wars to Clone Wars to open every episode, and the logo was yellow. The only time the logo was red was the Darth Maul episodes. When the Bad Batch started for this episode before the logo burned away and it said the Bad Batch, it was a red logo. So, like, that started, and I thought, holy shit, like, this episode is going to have Darth Maul in it. Maul was not in this episode. I fully believe, along with... So, they did the models for, like, Quinlan Boss and all of the other, like, top heads of um, uh, Crimson Dawn in the final arc of uh, the Clone Wars. Of Like, there's a conference call with them and Maul that you see and they're in there for like 10 seconds so they have the models made already we also saw at some point in the final season of the Clone Wars they did a model of Deepa Balaba and Caleb Doom who appeared in this episode and so my theory is Crimson Dawn and Darth Maul are going to be the big bad of season one of the Bad Batch I love that a lot they become mercenaries and so that's why the logo is red. It's not because Darth Maul's in this episode, it's, but he's like the main like antagonist of this series. And I think when they become mercenaries, it's like they are going to become mercenaries of Crimson Dawn, or maybe going against Crimson Dawn. But I think Crimson Dawn and Darth Maul are going to be play a very big role in the Bad Batch. I love that. I think that's a great arc. I think especially because in Clone Wars and Rebels, you don't get to Maul until like halfway through the seat. Both of those shows, really. Yeah. So. It'd be cool to get to Maul early on. And you mentioned we don't know how long this is going to be. Like, is it a one-season thing? Is it an ongoing kind of yeah. story? I have a feeling they're going to go for the ongoing kind of thing. Yeah, that's kind of... Disney the, Plus needs yeah. that kind of a show. And I think this could easily go. I don't think this is like a seven or eight episode thing like the Clone Wars was, but I definitely think it could be like four seasons like Rebels was. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Just like a tight four or five seasons. Mm-hmm. I do have another prediction as well. Um, yeah, give me your prediction. I want to hear it. You got the, the receipts on that uh, Crimson Dawn prediction, so I want to hear what you got next. So this one doesn't have nearly the level of receipts, but there was, we saw like a touch of the Kaminoans like lying to the Empire. I can't remember what it was fully about, but it was towards the end where they're like, eh, maybe we hide that aspect from them. Mm-hmm. I think partially this could be a why to lead to your question because I wanted to save it and answer it. Uh, that I talked about saving was partially why the clones got wiped out is I could I could potentially see a clone and Kaminoan insurgency against the Empire of the 
the Kaminoans override the chips, override the Empire's orders of Order 66 to kind of do their own thing and lead against the Empire, and the Empire just completely wipes them out. Yeah, I, that'd be interesting. I do think there's more to come with Kamino. Like I mentioned, you mentioned it before that we weren't sure what the future of Kamino was in the, in the story, but they did get that scene towards the end where it was Crosshair uh, letting the uh, the Bad Batch get away. They were like, let's just not tell the Emperor about that one. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, let's just keep that to ourselves. And I think that's the beginning of seeing not just Kamino, but I think a lot of planets yeah. are going to be getting too smart for their britches and trying to talk back to the Emperor and rise up against him. And I think we'll see a lot of that get shut down really quickly and easily. I think this is a chance for them to establish the Empire as this really oppressive force. And I think you see Kamino, uh, a planet that we've seen as a powerful role within the plot of the prequels, someone that has a lot of money, a lot of power, a lot of influence in the galaxy that could just be wiped out by the Empire in like a single arc. You know, if they have an invasion of Kamino arc and then the Bad Batch shows up to try and defend their home planet and then it just gets destroyed or something like that, that could be really powerful. Yeah, and one of the things that's kind of helped me with my predictions and like various shows throughout the years is... uh, watching the you know reality show survivor jeff Probst said in an interview one time that basically every episode tells two stories it tells the story of why the person that got voted off got voted off and why the person that eventually won the game won the game and so now whenever like shows like you know whatever show it is that's like a fictional narrative show uh, anytime I notice a line that's like, okay, this doesn't really tell the story of help tell the story of this episode or a scene or moment that doesn't really tell the story of this episode, I'm like, oh, okay, because it's helping tell the story of like the season or series as a whole. Mm-hmm. And that line with the Kaminoans of like, eh, let's not tell the Empire about this one didn't feel like it was helping tell the story of this episode. So I'm like, okay, because it's telling the story of this season. So I think that's partially why I feel that. The Kaminoans versus the Empire are either going to be a series-long thing or a season-long thing. It could be powerful if we see uh, that battle with Kamino versus the Empire, and that's the first time in the series we see Darth Vader show up, and he just slaughters a bunch of clones. That could be brutal. Oh, Anakin that, going that, in that and just killing great. clone after clone after clone. That sounds like a great like ser- season finale right there. Mm-hmm. Give him uh, another hallway scene. One thing I wanted for you or to get your thoughts on, because I, I could go either way. Do you think, um, it's, I guess it's multiple questions within a question. If this is an arc thing, do you think, like, Crosshair is, like, going to be kind of one of the bigger villains of the series? Or do you think maybe in, like, four episodes, they, like, kidnap him and remove his chip and, like, by episode five, he's back to normal and back on the team? Or do you think it's, like, He's mm. never back on the team again, and they're eventually just going to have to kill him. Because they definitely have made you aware that this is not, like, Crosshair on his own being like, nah, we're doing the wrong thing. It's definitely, like, he has the chip, and he's essentially being mind-controlled. Like, it's a Winter Soldier-type situation. What I hope and think will happen is that Crosshair is going to have this moral complexity that we've seen in this episode. We know that it's not entirely his doing, that he's still the victim of the ship. But ultimately, I do think he's going to have to go down at the hands of one of the Bad Batch clones. And I think by the end of the first season, he'll probably be down, I would imagine. Or if they do like a mid-season type thing, I think by the time they get to like the big first finale, like whether it's a mid-season finale or the series, the season finale, whatever our first big finale moment is, I think it's going to be uh, Crosshair's death. 
I think that could be really uh, tragic. Yeah. The guy who's worked alongside with them, and then he, they ultimately have to take him down. And you know, as they're doing it, that it's not entirely his fault or his actions, but they don't really have a choice. Yeah. I think that could be powerful. Well, the episode dates did get released or leaked, and I don't think there's ever a break. I think it's straight on continuous from now until the end of the series. So, but I could, but I could also see a situation where, like, if we have a Vader moment, and Vader appears and he starts slaughtering clones and he starts going after the Bad Batch, where um, Crosshair has like a consciousness where he basically like sacrifices himself against Vader so the other ones can get away. That's another good thing. I I think that's a good prediction. I I do agree with you though. I don't think Crosshair makes it out of the season. That's my guess. I think either he's taken down by the clones or he's taken down by Vader or he sacrifices himself in some way. I just don't see him. He has that kind of villain arc set up where you you come in tragically to the villain role and then by the end of the first season you're, you're gone. Yeah. Making room for Crimson Dawn. You know, you gotta, Darth Maul's got to come in and step it up. And I do think, my I have a minor prediction that I think Tarkin is kind of like a one-episode thing because there was a hot toy released uh, for an Admiral for uh, Admiral Rampart who's going to be part of in the Bad Batch series. And I feel like if you're making a hot toy of a character, it's got to be a fairly prominent character. So I think Tarkin's kind of going to dip out to be like, hey, we had our recognizable face. And then Admiral Rampart is going to step in and kind of take in, fill in that role that Tarkin's been in. Yeah, I like that. They These shows do a good job typically of creating uh, new villain characters like yeah. that. You know, I can't remember the guy's name now, but he was in Rebels. He Agent Callus. Kind of yeah. yeah, he was a really good character. I loved Agent Callus. He's the best. <laughs> he was one of the better characters in Rebels. I think that I'm excited to see more original characters. As much as I love seeing stuff like Tarkin show up and the Camino uh, planet show up. I, I mentioned earlier, like I'm not a huge into the super connective stuff to Star Wars. I think when it's there, if it's done well, I'm really into it, but I think it's risky when to do it too much. And I'm more excited to see them create new characters or at least take small characters like Saul Guerrero and make them more interesting Yeah. rather than just, we've seen enough Tarkin. We already like Tarkin. You don't need to make me like Tarkin more, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Give me some character that I don't like or some character that's unknown and enhance them and make, give me something more to care about than just, oh, they're in Star Wars. Give me give yeah. me more to the characters. Yeah, for sure. I have yeah. one last question for you if you don't have anything uh, else. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't have anything. I was just going to ask if you had any final predictions. <laughs> My last question is, what do you see as the end point for the show? Like, how what, in terms of Star Wars, like, structure, in terms of what we know of the lore, like, how far along are they going to go on this show in Arrow-wise? Are we going to run right into Rebels? Are we going to connect those shows? Are we going to run into stuff? Like, what, how long does this show go on for plot-wise? I don't think plot-wise it goes super long, because I think, like I mentioned earlier in the show, I think the backdrop of the show is the rise of the Empire itself. So I, I think it's going to, I think the show's going to run four to five years, and like Rebels, I think it's going to run in real time, where I think we're just going to see the first like four to five years of the Empire. I don't think it's going to run into anything specific. Uh, but also because we don't really see... Like, we don't... He- I mean, we haven't heard about Clone Force 99 and like basically any other media. It's not like, oh, like they're this mythical crew. I kind of think they have to die at the end. Brutal. Or so I'm curious, like in what way they die, or maybe they're just like, hey, we're just gonna go off. You know, we we've did our part in the war. We're just gonna go off and 
kind of live our own lives, but I think partially, like, in Rebels, they're going to sacrifice themselves or, like, do something at, in the series finale that's going to play a bigger part in, you know, the story, the larger story of Star Wars. Yeah, I, I think that's a good prediction. I'll take your bet for it. I do think that ultimately they're going to have to sacrifice themselves. I think maybe one or two of them could end up surviving and just kind of living their lives yeah. separately. But I think a lot of them are going to have to go down. I do wonder, like, the Star Wars loves to be poetic and rhyme and connect and stuff like that. So I do think maybe by the finale we'll get a couple, like, connective tissue scenes that bring us right into Rebels. The same way that Clone Wars kind of ended and had, a couple, had like, that epilogue scene that connected us to the feature of Star Wars. And I would like to see, you know, we had our pilot first episode first uh scene of the first episode was with uh, kanan so it'd be nice if maybe the finale we see like a young adult kanan now and he's or maybe we'll see kanan as he's just about to kind of join this this story of rebels that he's in because i would like to see kind of more a little bit that's what i like about star wars kind of issue is not necessarily characters showing up here and there but like the way that the themes connect to each other poetically and i would love to see just by the end of the show some some ties to what we see in the future yeah definitely and it'd be interesting i'm very curious to see what how it ties in to end with you know maybe they're the reason well i guess it wouldn't be the show unless it goes longer than i think and there's more time jumps but maybe like clone force 99 is the reason that crimson dawn falls or something like that yeah i'm, I'm excited for it especially if we're going to bring crimson dawn we're going to bring in characters i I'm just very happy to get more animated Star Wars. It's been so long since you've gotten Rebels. And this is a Clone Wars final season was really cool and it was fun to get like the ending and the and the results yeah. to that, but it didn't quite feel like new Star Wars as much. And this yeah. feels very new. It feels like we're getting new Star Wars stories. They're getting them in the animated universe, which is my kind of favorite way of watching Star Wars and I'm really excited for it. I'm I never got a chance to watch Clone Wars week to week. Because it was all kind of done by the time I was getting into it. Yeah, I same. watched most of Rebels week to week, so that was a fun experience. But I did fall off a little bit towards the end, like like the middle bit, and came back for the final season. So it'd be, I'm hopeful that this show keeps me interested enough to watch week to week to week. Because I'll, for the first time, get a Star Wars experience like that to watch the show every week, every time. Well, of course, yeah. Mandalorian, but this is yeah. like an animated Star Wars yeah. show week to week could be fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched Resistance, but it was like not great. It was very much for like a young audience, where I feel like Clone Wars and Bad Batch, and even Rebels, kind of towed the line of like it's for kids, but it's also made in mind that adults are gonna watch it as well. So, mm-hmm. I guess I want one final prediction, and it's not really a prediction; it's more of a wish. If you could have any. I know we talked about Darth Maul, and I'm going to exclude Darth Maul even for myself. If you could have any character appear in the Bad Batch, who would you want to see? What I would like to do is connect it in some way to these Clone Wars characters, like some small, obscure Clone Wars characters showing up are always fun. I really liked in Rebels when they went to back to Geonosis and they had that sort of return to Geonosis arc. Oh, yeah. Let me think. I do. There's a lot of really interesting, like small scale Clone Wars characters that would be fun. Yeah, answer. Yeah, I have my answer locked and loaded, and it's my second favorite Star Wars character (laughs) of all time. It's a character that's appeared in the sequel era, 
in the original trilogy era, and then obviously the prequel era because he debuted in the Clone Wars, and that's Hondo Onaka. I want them, if they're going to be mercenaries, doing a job with Hondo. I think their kind of serious attitude alongside Hondo would be great. I think Wrecker and Hondo would get along amazingly. Hondo is a great pick. I think he would be a really good addition to it. I'm going to have a different poll, and not necessarily a character, but I would love to see Bot 2, the planet for that. Oh, is that'd Galaxy's be really Edge. cool. Uh, they haven't brought that into live action or anything like that yet, any any form of, of Star Wars action, but I would love to see that come to life in the animated ser- in this animated show. I think that would be fun, especially because it's a much different era than... Because we don't know Galaxy's Edge and canon is technically within, like, between Force Awakens and Last Jedi, something like that, somewhere in the sequel era. Yep. Like impurity. So whenever you go there, like Kylo Ren's walking around, Ray's walking around, the technology matches the sequel era technology. So if we see it now, it'll be much different. You won't have the resistance X wings. You'll be having like more modern, well, contemporary to the to the show uh, tech and stuff like that. So I'd love to see Batu. Yep. I All spent right. countless hours at Batu, so I would love to get a chance to go back to that now that we're still in COVID times and I haven't been there in two years. You'll <laughs> be like Hunter touched this rock, and now I'm touching this rock. Yeah, I'll be like, I was there. I touched that rock. I went to that store and I spent $300 on stuffed yeah. animals. Yeah, I'm curious, especially with... I, I enjoyed the sequel era, obviously. I, I wouldn't say I'm a Episode Nine defender, but of the four of us on the main Movie Change-Up podcast, I'm the only one that seems to enjoy it. But I'm curious if... Especially if, like, the Bad Batch goes to uh to if they're gonna kind of change up the eras because i feel like that's kind of a cool way to change up the park every few years is to be like oh it was the sequel era but now it's bad too during the prequel era now it's bad too during the original trilogy era so i think it'd be kind of cool if the bad batch goes there and then like a year or two from now it's like the original trilogy era or something or it's like that middle era and then you could have vader walking around you could have the bad batch walking around yeah, I think especially since the sequels weren't necessarily beloved by a lot of people, yeah. <laughs> Disney might want to get a chance to get outside of that and revitalize Galaxy's Edge a bit and yeah. maybe build some more interest around it. All right, yeah. Any uh, final thoughts on the episode? No, I liked it a lot. I was I liked it more than I thought that I would, and I'm very curious what it's going to be like going forward. I'm excited that we're reviewing them. I think it'll enhance a lot. Just talking to you now has made me appreciate a lot of the episode a lot more. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it for the rest of the episodes, and I can't wait. Friday, only like a couple days away from now, but yeah. it'll be fun. Are they going to be half an hour episodes, or are they going to be 44 I, or something? No, I think they're going to be like 30 minutes, but an actual 30 minutes, not 22 minutes. So. All right. But I think it's are definitely... You? Any final thoughts going in now? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely interested. You know, I'm curious to see what next episode's going to be. I kind of... I kind of like the Rebels model of, like, it's mostly going to be new characters, but, like, every five or six episodes, it'll be like, oh, here's Lando, or oh, here's Leia. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I understand next episode's going to have cut in it. Not, I mean, 99% chance next episode has cut in it, but he's a very, very minor character. But I kind of hope the show isn't every week, let's visit a famous Star Wars or mm-hmm. like, a known Star Wars character. But I feel like Rebels kind of did that a lot, too, where it's like, hey, season premiere has, like, a bunch of you know, known characters in it, and then we go most of a season, and that's, you know, mid-season finale, it's like, oh, here's a bunch of known characters, and then, you know, season, mid-season premiere, here's a bunch of known characters, and then you go the rest of the season until the season finale, which is nobody, so I feel like that's what it's going to be, we're going to go three or four episodes, and then, like, 
Darth Maul will show up, or Hondo will show up, or, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll meet Ezra's parents. You never know. You never know. We could meet Poe's parents. There's some walking up to the oh, forest yeah, that'd that are really, really cool. unexplored in any way. That'd be really cool. I'd, I'd be down to see Poe's parents. The Damrons. Yes, they had a little magic tree or something, didn't they, at one point? Oh, wait, no, they'd be <laughs> like little kids. They'd be like babies right now. So probably, You're right. Probably not Poe's parents, but... Maybe Poe's grandpa. Yeah, Poe's grandpa. Yeah, you know? Poe's grandpa. <laughs> grandpa Dameron. All right. All right, yeah, this is fun. Uh, we'll be back Friday, hopefully a little bit earlier in the day than... Well, it, we'll hope so. Nine o'clock, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> see you Friday.